0: Welcome everybody to episode ninety nine. The year I graduated high school. Episode ninety nine. You're old. Yeah. If this was uh, if Raven Shadow's on the show, he would say this is the penultimate episode. He, he would. <laughs> and he would be wrong, as usual. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's nothing when is new. When does he ever right? Very rarely. When he talks about comics. Yeah. Yes.
1: There's an exception. So. To uh, uh,
0: so yeah, we're here in uh, Castle Wolfenstein. My name, uh, if you don't know, Patsy the Angry Nerd, and uh, I will be your guide, along with my co-host, the Ironborn Goddess of Giggles, Agent Nicole.
1: I'm a goddess now? I got upped to a goddess?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, figure, I don't think there is a goddess of giggles, at least, you know, not that I'm aware of. But. Take
1: that, Zeus.
0: Yeah, Zeus, you fucking... Ooh, I'm Zeus. I'm the king of the gods. Ooh. Yeah, who's special now? Uh, speaking of goddesses, we are also joined by the Michael Phelps of wine, the mistress <laughs> of Merlot, the answer to who is my better half, Aww. and that would be, ladies and gentlemen, the real house of Tra- Transylvania. The real
1: house? <laughs> wow!
2: <laughs> you
0: didn't endear yourself with that one. Wow.
2: Is that, ah.
1: is, that, is that supposed to be a fat joke I you was going or going.
0: Oh. <laughs> I don't think we're
1: gonna make it to a hundred.
0: Oh Jesus. He
1: does a lot he does a I short one for me. I am he recovering does a, long one for you. From
0: a very high fever that I had just two days ago. No so excuses. I'm, still, I'm also still, you know, in awe that we're about to hit a hundred episodes. But without further ado, ladies and gentlemen. Ashes of a nightmare.
2: Oh my God, that was the worst. That's you awful. are just the worst. Here, I had I have a, a retort all ready to go. I was going to say, "Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. He I'm back. ready to party like it's episode 99." You know, he came
1: he back after, it, after right? missing and two episodes, and then he goes and fucks that up. I know, right? You, what uh, do you expect? Uh, yeah. God damn it, Patrick! Listen, we don't have to listen. I have. You're sleeping on the couch up. tonight. <laughs>
0: And who are you going to snuggle? Nobody. Cats. She's
1: got cats. The, the
0: cats will come sleep with me. So uh, we are also joined by the man with the velvet voice, the hardest working man in podcasting, uh, Johnny Wolfenstein. I'm here. Episode 99. His 99th consecutive episode. That's more than uh, any of us <laughs> have done consecutively. So uh, congratulations, hey, Johnny. Fair. Thank you. Thank you. I'm honored. Do so I get an award. Uh,
1: uh, you're the perfect Thel- attendance. Yeah, perfect yes. attendance. <laughs> so I get a <laughs> no gold part. star. Yep. You're the Michael Phelps of podcasting. And <laughs> no, he's, <laughs>
0: the, he's the Cal Ripkin. Oh, 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 sorry. Oh.
1: Did you ask Google that? I don't
0: need to ask Google that. I know. Yeah, Cal I mean, Ripken. you
1: asked Google who was the Michael Phelps of wine last week. Yeah, you know, you're googling.
0: I was. I asked Google a ton of shit because I was uh, in an asking mood. So. It was very interesting. We asked someone, uh, we asked Google who someone was where we work, and it turns out they have the same name as a British actor, so we've been calling him uh, the character that that actor plays. From
1: the show Peep, Peep Show. And and
2: what is the character? Are you going to let people yeah. know?
0: Well, <laughs> I don't want to out the person's name in case they don't want to be mentioned on uh, on the show. Hi, Matt. Wow, that's that's pretty <laughs> fucked up. That was uh, Agent Nicole, in case you were wondering. It wasn't, it wasn't me, uh, Patsy. Well, wow, I thought it was you, because you do some pretty good impressions, so I, I, do. I wasn't sure. I, I do some pretty good impressions. I, uh, I'm pretty good. I, uh, I do... Uh,
2: I wouldn't say... Yeah, I would say mediocre.
1: They all go John Travolta-y.
0: I do... uh,
2: Yeah, this is true. All of his impressions eventually eventually Uh, go Travolta. I do Ben Affleck
0: if he was John Travolta. I do... uh,
2: Christopher Walken if he was John Travolta. Travolta.
0: Yeah, I do um, uh, Madeline Albright if she was John Travolta. (laughs) Well, wouldn't it be maybe if John Travolta did the impression and he's really bad at impressions? It might be.
1: Maybe that's kind of the...
0: So I'm really good at him... Impersonating John Travolta, impersonating other people. So put that, that on in itself, your card. I can put that on my resume. Yeah, I'm sure that'll go over well.
2: <laughs> so you're going to go far, kid. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so today we are discussing uh, the lead character of Offred from The Handmaid's Tale, the Hulu uh, exclusive TV show. And which from I, the
1: book of 1985's The Same Thing. Well, and I, it was a movie. Did you guys know that? And it was a movie that? with Natasha Richardson. Yes. Uh,
0: I don't know who that is. Oh, uh, nice. Liam Neeson's
1: wife, who died ten, almost 10 years ago.
0: Way to bring the show down. Oh, that's Liam Neeson's wife. She's dead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, I didn't say it like that, but thanks. She was in um, The, the Parent Trap. Le- live
2: reenactment of 101 Dalmatians.
0: She's Glenn Close. She, yeah, yeah, she's, she's Glenn, Glenn Close. Close. She's Jeff Daniels. Yes, she's a she, she's
2: the puppy. <laughs> I knew that's where you were going.
0: She's Pongo. She's the
2: puppy. No, she's Perdita. She,
0: she did the mocap for uh, Pongo. Yeah. <laughs> so we are going to be discussing uh, the uh, character played as presented by Elizabeth Moss, mostly because yes. that's what uh, I am most familiar with, and I know you are most familiar with. Correct. Nicole, did you read the book? Yes. So. One of the things we 'd like to discuss before we get into our main topic of conversation is uh, books that uh, were adapted for whether it be the big screen or the small screen or even say a radio play because there has been some of some good ones of those mm-hmm. uh, h g Well's War of the Worlds comes to mind uh, but we wanted to discuss some good, bad, and ugly. Uh, uh, adaptations from book to uh, we'll say book to screen because that's what uh, I think folks are more going to be more familiar with. So, uh, Agent Nicole, would you like to go first on this? No, sure, sne- sorry. Oh, I, you I had sneezing. to burp
1: and I didn't want to be I rude. I thought she was sneezing <laughs> and
0: I was waiting for her to do so. I <clears> did not know what so you So,
1: are we just going to list them or go one around because... Uh, Go I'll list on. my first one. Oh, yeah,
0: do your first. One. Um,
1: probably one of my absolute favorite films is 1975's One Who Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, starring Jack Nicholson from the 1962 same title book by Ken Keasley. Uh, Key, sorry, Keesy. Um, It's probably one of my favorite book to film adaptations. Granted, I just love Jack Nicholson in this role. I'm very picky about the Jack Nicholson. Randall
0: P. McMurphy. <laughs> yeah, That was a terrible Nicholson.
1: Yeah, that <laughs> stick to your John Travolta, man. Randall P. McMurphy, like, oh um, my God. I enjoyed the book very much. I actually went from film to book because I didn't know that it was a book until later on. And my dad had like an old copy of it from the 60s. He's that old. And um, it's just... The story is very tragic Just like the film And it's just beautiful It's it's a beautiful I mean it's not beautiful As in like a, You know what I'm saying Is like it a
0: faithful adaptation?
1: Um I would say so I mean from I haven't read it in like A very long time like I Is it faithful
0: from Movie to book? Or? I
1: mean When I read the book All I could just think of Is Jack Nicholson And yeah, Nurse Ratchet, Like we're going to have to talk about comparisons of ner- n- uh, Nurse Ratchet to Aunt Lydia. Because mm, c- yes. that's a very... That's fair. Yes. Um, I think it does. I mean, have you read it?
0: I have not. I was supposed to in high school. <laughs> and I didn't. I watched the movie again. Which, I be- if I'm correct, the, that was the film debut of both Christopher Lloyd mm-hmm. and Danny DeVito. Cor-
1: uh, Crete, <laughs> Correct. <laughs> it is. And
0: uh, the dude who played the chief, his name escapes me was in a ripoff because I'm going to segue right into my thing because this works out well for me is, uh, was in a ripoff off because whenever a film is popular there's a ton of spin-off yeah. films or things like that so in 1975 one of my favorite uh, movie to, uh, book-to-movie adaptations Jaws came out mm-hmm. uh, it was not quite as faithful but the guy who played the chief was in a movie called Orca the Killer Whale which was awful, but they tried to capitalize on the Jaws' success, didn't work out. But speaking of Jaws, the book by Peter Benchley, which was a massive bestseller, uh, I've tried obtaining a copy, and they're very, very expensive. I wish I kind of held on to the one I had when I was a kid, because I read that several times. Um the ending of the book, now this is a spoiler, but it's a 43-year-old spoiler, and again, the book is very difficult to get your hands on, but the ending of the book sees, uh it's a very different, uh, tonally it's very different, Uh the ending of the book sees uh Quint wrapped up in a harpoon cord, like a, the rope of a harpoon after he gets the shark, and dragged to his death and drowned. Uh, Very similar to Captain Ahab. He's pretty much uh, a proxy for Captain Ahab in this book. Um, If you're not familiar, Captain Ahab's from Moby Dick. He was obsessed with killing the white whale. Um, Hooper does go into the cage, tries to kill the shark, but the shark goes into the cage and kills him. And the boat sinks because the shark just destroys the boat. And... Brody's in the water hanging onto a seat cushion and the shark is coming, shark is coming, shark is coming Brody closes his eyes, screams open one's eye and kind of looks and the shark dies of exhaustion about 10 feet away dies of exhaustion and his wounds and dies is dead, like that's it that's it, anticlimactic Uh, so even though it's been proven on Mythbusters to be fake I prefer the exploding uh, air tank uh, shark ending uh, to To what we get in the book. Uh, there's also a subplot in the book where Hooper has an affair with Brody's wife because Brody's wife used to date his older brother. Or so, it's something weird like that. Um, although I will say uh, one of the changes I did really like about uh, Spielberg's adaptation of it is that in the book... Every night they're like, "Oh, let's go try and catch the shark." Oh, we didn't catch the shark today. Well, eh, let's just go back to shore. Whereas out on the on the uh, open water of the the film, you get that sense of isolation and dread and loneliness. Where you know they're, it's almost like you know the feeling you get from Alien, where it's like they're in space, like no one can come to help them. Uh, which I really liked. It's uh, and that's part of the reason why he shot in Martha's Vineyard because. Once you get far enough out, you can turn the camera in any direction and not see land. So that was really cool. I liked that uh, adaptation. And I had read the the book after seeing the movie. So, Ashes, what about you? What's one that you like?
2: So one of my favorite books was actually turned into a movie. And that book is, well, it, once upon a time, it was called Disco Bloodbath. It was written by James St. James. And it was actually a memoir of the rise and fall of club kid Michael Alec um, The movie adaptation is called Party Monster And the book has actually since then be, been renamed Party Monster um, I saw the movie first It stars Macaulay Culkin as Michael Alec And Seth Green as James St. James and I fell in love. I've been a huge fan of club kid culture for a long time. My roommate in college was like, how have you not seen this movie? Um, indie film came out in the early 2000s. And so we watched it and I loved it. And she was like, it's a book. And I was like, I got to fucking read it. She's like, you've got to fucking read it. So I fucking read it. And it's amazing. So... The book, and there's... Okay, so kind of backtracking a little bit. So the book, Disco Bloodbath, it's the memoir of James St. James, who's an actual person. So it's his retelling of of the events that happened. Michael Alec uh, was found uh, charged with manslaughter for the killing of Angel Melendez, who's another club kid. He was a drug dealer, and that was a whole thing. Um, So what, you know, the book was everything from James St. James' point of view. So obviously, you know, some people are like, well, this actually happened, this didn't happen. But it's, it's, it's you know, somebody telling a story of what they believed happened. Now, the movie, you know, so they put a cinematic spin on it. They kind of over certain things. Most of the characters are pretty true to form, Um J- the the real James St. James Took Seth Green under his wing To the point where I believe to this day uh, They still text each other Every oh, once in a while nice. Yeah, um, So a lot of The mannerisms and stuff from these Characters they actually got to meet with Some of these people who You know they were portraying to kind Of get an authentic feel uh, To it and A lot of these people had actually Been so the Club Kids were popular at a time where talk shows were also really popular. And so they would be guest stars on like Sally Jesse Raphael and Geraldo. and Kenny
1: Jones.
2: Um, I think Jenny Jones. Ricky Lake. Yeah, Ricky Lake. Um, I'm thinking... Oh, God. The, the old guy. Bill Donahue. Head, Donahue, yes. <laughs> like, you know, they would be these shocking guests like you know oh, I like to party for a living you know and, and they come out wearing these costumes and the makeup who and is the
0: guy that, Dylan McDermott was that who that guy's name
2: he played the club
0: promoter right, I was trying to remember his name and yes like that, yeah. yes Wilmer in Valderrama is in that
2: yeah Wilder, Wilmer Valderrama Gitsy uh, Chloe Sevigny yes so and uh, Natasha Leone is in it it's, it's a really really great cast. cast like this cast is awesome and it so because the book is a memoir it's a little different you know than the movie uh, but the stories are really true to form and some of how things happened you know being a movie only having a couple of hours to tell a story they kind of mm-hmm. had to like timeline wise speed things up a bit so things that took weeks months to progress, you know, takes only like five minutes to progress. They use That's a lot the of montages. Of, yeah, the, a lot of montages to try to kind of get you through certain periods of time but it's just so well done and um, James St. James you know, obviously has watched the film and Michael Alec has since been released from prison. He was released a couple of, of years ago and watched the movie and he laughed at some parts mm-hmm. He said that you know A lot of it wasn't true But I believe that he was saying that Because you know If you were watching a movie About how you were found guilty of manslaughter Would you want to believe everything? Let's try it. Um, But yeah it's so well done I absolutely love it If you haven't seen it go see it Because it's so great Come over to my house we'll watch it god it's, knows i own I feel it like
1: i've seen like clips of it in the past and i just haven't had the chance to really um watch it it definitely I, from what i've seen that it definitely changes your uh outlook of uh macaulay macaulay culkin yeah he
2: doesn't wear a lot of clothing in in most scenes um <laughs> from kevin to him <laughs> but it's very you know it's just that that you know, uh, fabulous, just eccentric lifestyle mm-hmm. of, you know, people wanting to be famous for being famous. This is the pre, you know, like Paris Hilton reality <laughs> TV. You know, these That's are the the people <laughs> who, you know, they would make up these crazy, awesome names. It's, and it's a lot of um, drag queen culture mm-hmm. comes from that as well. Uh, they, they kind of... Um, Cross lines a lot But yeah it's You know like I said the book is, is Different than the movie In the sense that you know it's Telling stories from a certain Person's point of, of view But the stories themselves Are pretty true to Form from book to movie like the certain scenes and stuff how things are played out and what pe- even what people say yeah um you know and obviously james st james was a consultant on the movie as well so you know what he said went you know they took his word for it um but yeah so it's it's really good and it's a great read too it's crazy that- what some of these kids went through is it a long book or is uh, it it's, it's a I, it's an easy read, mm-hmm. um, you know, not not too crazy. I read it over the course of a few afternoons, just uh, one summer um, home from school, like just chilling outside. And yeah, my mom's little she had like one of those like rocker swing chair type oh, no, things really outside. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So I would just, you know, swing and read and stuff and yeah it's a it's a not not a super quick read but um it's a decent sized book but it's not too heavy like too much it's not it's not super verbose like it's Uh it's it's good it's really good
0: so agent nicole you got another one or two
1: um so from just thinking from from my head (laughs) um I'm going to go with the television route. Um, I know we talked about this character a while back, um, Jessica Jones, the television show. I read the comic books, um, alias with Michael Bendis, who wrote and created that. And the grittiness from that book really shines through in the television show, which is on Netflix with uh, Kristen Ritter as the title character, Jessica Jones. And I... I was very skeptical at first because this is before really, I mean, Netflix was already coming around with making great television shows, but I was kind of nervous where they were taking a female character and trying to adapt that from comic books to television show. I mean, uh, Daredevil has been very good. I haven't really watched it, but from everybody who's, watched it really tells me it's really good but I think um, the book Alias which basically tells you the story of Jessica Jones and everything that has happened to her really kind of from that book really shows beautifully on the film um, on the television streaming services and Kilgrave played by David Tenna like he was a creep in the book and he's so creepy now which is which is sad because I love David Tennant so much. So just to see him in a complete reverse one hundred and eighty from his usual Doctor Who persona and anything else that he's been, it's just I felt like I needed to take a bath after watching the first season of Jessica Jones just because of how gritty the grittiness of it and how um kill Kilgrave's in the um in the in the show and how it just you just feel like you could be like jessica jones just the way that relationship was and it's i it's probably one of my favorite kind of book to tv adaptations it's not something uh you know comic books it's like a hit and miss like another yeah. one would be preacher with dominic cooper uh, i don't know if you guys have watched it i haven't but, watched it but i've read yet. i've it's, read the like it's really good. A couple of issues, a of little the, bit different from the books. Uh, it would have to books. be
0: because you couldn't yeah. have that on AMC. HBO mm-hmm. could pick it up. Yeah, but it's pretty. It's pretty. It's very, very, it's like Gar- very. Garth Ennis, I huh? believe. Garth Ennis does that. Yep. Yep. All right.
1: It's. I have. I'm so behind, but I know one of my best friends loves that show, and I I enjoy it. Um, I think there's been a lot more better. Book to television adaptations and film. Um, Game of Thrones is one where I read. I think the first. I read the first and some of the second, and there is you know there's a hit and miss in a few well, things. Well, I think
0: when you're when you're adapting, uh, especially something that's, you know, thousands and thousands of pages. Yeah. Uh, to try to and adapt something like that, even like a three hundred page book, like. You know, one of my other ones on here, uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah. A lot of stuff had to get cut out of that. But if you're making a TV show, you have, instead of, you know, two to two and a half hours, depending on who's your director, who's your star, what your Mm -hmm. budget, and so on, if you have 10 episodes at 45 minutes each, you know, you've got a significant uh, advantage. So you can tell a more prolonged story. um, Although sometimes you do get caught in the... The loop where, you know, as we've seen in this last season of Game of Thrones, everything gets sped up so much because they've run out of source material or things get dragged out longer than necessary. Correct. Like, you know, the uh, the walking scenes from the two towers, Mm -hmm. uh, Lord of the Rings film. But uh, if I'm going to go with adaptations, I'm just going to bring it down to one because we're running a little long on this segment. Um, I thought about talking about Jurassic Park, another Spielberg adaptation. I also talked about, uh, thought about talking about The Warriors, one of my favorite. Um, but I think that's an episode we're going to end up doing down the line. Um, the Martian is another one, really great. You know, some things you can do in the book that you can't do on film and vice versa. And I think Ridley Scott did a great job. But for me, the most faithful book to film adaptation that I am familiar with uh, would be Mario Puzo's The Godfather. I read the book before I saw the movie, and it is almost spot on. Like, there are so many, like, just the lines are right in there. Everything that happens in the book happens in the movie. I mean, there's a little more detail Mm -hmm. that goes into the book that you can't get in the movie. But, I mean, again, there are things you can do on a page that you can't do uh, on film. Like, you know, an inner monologue for a character, especially like a minor character that you never see again. You know, that's something that you can't do without the character, like, coming out and saying or doing a voiceover. Mm -hmm. You know, that's hard to do on film. But everything else that's in this film, you know, from Bonacera at the opening at, you know, uh, 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 his daughter's wedding, you know, it's from the scene where, you know, Sonny in the toll booth. Oh, one of the most brutal scenes in history. It's just, it's so well done. Uh, so I think that, for me, is the most most faithful adaptation. Ashes, what about you? You got another one?
2: I do. Um, so it's another memoir, actually. I saw the movie before I read the book. And, again, it's one of those, you know, cinematically, they took a lot of liberties. They added some characters to kind of give, you know, the movie some, some substance. Um, but the book, on its own, is just so great as well. I'm talking about Girl Interrupted. Oh, such a
1: good book! I mean, movie. Sorry, I yeah, the, book. the movie <laughs> is
2: excellent. Like it stars Winona Ryder and Angelina Jolie and Brittany Murphy and Whoopi. Whoopi Goldberg. Um, you know, I believe Angelina Jolie got like an Oscar. She did for this, and um, I think supporting. I, th- I so, thought it was a Golden Globe. Well, uh, I I know somebody got you know. The,
0: she at least was got a Yeah, she, yeah, was, she
2: you know, she, I believe she got some acting award for this movie and she's totally deserved it because it was crazy. But the book itself is more Susanna Kaysen writing about her being in her own head. And the book features like uh, information, like uh, psychological stuff and terminology and um, you know, I'm trying to remember because it's been so long since I read it. I, I'll I'll have to reread it. Um.
0: Yeah, she won the actress for be- best actress in a supporting role.
2: Yeah. So, um, and I'm the characters, you know, because the the movie just kind of ends, and you know, Winona Ryder's character is is better and stuff. But you know, the book kind of elaborates on that a little bit more. You know, because you know, movies just end and real life continues. And so that's what the, the book really elaborates on, you know, the fact that real life can, continues. And even after going through all of this, you know, she was able to continue on with her life and with some of her relationships and stuff. Um, very well written. And again, you know, it's, it's very different uh, the book and the movie But some of the stories that are written In the book Are translated To the big screen And they did a really good job with that But again you know like, like with, a, with a memoir it's difficult You know it's somebody's story You know and it's not like a story It's, it's somebody's story You know that they're, they're telling from you know, First person point of view So I think they did a really good job taking the liberties that they did and putting it on the screen. Um, and before we wrap this up, I just want one more that I'm really excited about yeah, that's happening oh. right now is so there is a book written by the band Motley Crue called The Dirt. Oh, and they're no. actually in the process of turning that into a movie. It's something that they have been talking about for a long time and they're finally doing it. They casted it. It's being shot right now. Um, I know Nikki six because I follow him on social media because I love him so fucking much, um, you know, is a consultant on, you know, some of the, the, the filming and stuff that's going on. And I'm really eager to see what they do with it. And, how everything is is portrayed and how the actors look too, because yeah. you know when you're playing somebody who's a real person you know you're expecting to see certain things so I'm very eager to see if they if they get certain things correct
0: so like a straight out of compton type thing where they had kinda, uh, ice cubes kid play him
2: kinda yeah um yeah so i'm I'm that's I'm really
1: interested. Did you get Did the Funkos you? yet? Not yet. Uh-huh. No, I'm a huge Motley Crue fan. Yeah, and so. a huge Funko fan. Yeah. And uh, sorry, I'll, can I put one in and then we can? Yeah, go, go. Right ahead. Um, sorry, were you dying? Me too. I know. I'm all set. I'm all okay. set. Okay. Um, so I just started reading a series that's been around since 2011 um, from Deborah Harkness. She wrote a series called the All Souls Trilogy, and uh, television shows coming out with. Teresa Palmer, who was in um, that zombie movie, uh, Warm Hearts, and uh, Matthew Good, who was. The one who. She looks like a uh, Kristen Stewart stunt double? Yeah, basically. And um, Matthew Good, who's been in a lot of film and television shows. Um, the book is called A Discovery of Witches. I just started reading the book, and I'm probably, hopefully, in a few weeks, we'll get to meet the. Uh, the author of the book and i'm probably only six chapters in and i'm absolutely enthralled and in love with it and um if you like fantasy and you like vampires and witches and wonder what they would do on a normal day kind of thing this book is is something like that and there's a lot of historical um events that happen and i've seen like kind of like Clips of back behind the scenes, and I'm just excited. Hopefully it comes out really soon. So,
0: Do you want a fun vampire fact before we go to break?
1: Twilight sucks.
0: No. Nope. Do <laughs> you know why vampires were unable to see their reflection in mirrors? No. Because a lot of mirrors uh, back in the day were made with silver, and uh, they don't react too well to silver, so that's why. So I think with that being said, we'll uh, go ahead and take a quick break, and when we come back, we will start talking about The Handmaid's Tale. Trick or Treat Radio is a phantasmagorical spin kick straight through the heart of pop culture, navigated by the Deadites. We are the world's greatest electroshock band, we destroy monsters, we drink booze, and we win championship belts. If you're not listening to Trick or Treat Radio, here's a taste of what you've been missing. There's three guarantees in life. What are they? Death... Taxes and trick-or-treat radio every Friday morning.
1: This is one of the most convoluted movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm fucking trying, man. Hi, hi, hi. Oh yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Oh yeah. It's like you took a shit on a pile of shit. But
0: you shit on him right. for liking what he likes. Yeah, well, it's my job. This podcast is now banned in Germany.
1: <laughs> it's a me, Giovanni Lombardo Ricci. Shut up.
0: I call bullshit. I demand someone to bring
1: me the face of Lindsay Lohan. If I had genitals, I would definitely bang her. Oh, wait. Is she a great big fan person? You just hit the jackpot. This is a weird movie, huh? It had
0: action. It had suspense. It had great characters. It had great acting. I'm <laughs> i you with my jockey shorts. I
1: don't like mobster movies.
0: All right, well, here's my take. You're a sick fuck. Thank you. Now shut the fuck up and let me
1: talk. Have you ever seen 2001? The okay. Box,
0: right? The Box and the Monkeys. Available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Trick-or-Treat Radio.com. Arrivederci, that Padhag. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created F is for Family. And you're listening to Throwdown Thursday Podcast. <laughs> Good evening, future passengers. Are you ready to sit back, relax, and join us on a
2: ride of epic proportions through the mystical land of randomness?
1: Am I a serial killer if I eat Lucky Charms? What would it be like if horror characters ran a gym? Who would run spin class?
0: When a shark jumps out of the water, is it like suffocating for that split second? So join us every week for a brand new derailment with Goobs, Ripkin, and Jenny Bean. <laughs> You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The
1: Derailers.
2: And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and also on YouTube. Have a great night or day, folks.
0: And we are back. That, of course, is uh, our good buddy Rocky, who's got his own podcast going, the StasCast, Serious Talk About Stupid Shit. You can check him out on uh, Stitcher and wherever else you uh, listen to podcasts. He's going well. His is a fun show. Uh, definitely uh, not safe for work. So listen to it with headphones if you're going to listen to it at work. But uh, definitely give uh, give Rocky a, a listen. He's a good dude and a good friend of the show. So what we're talking about today, we're talking about this. See, I, I didn't know what this show was about. I had no idea. I thought it was, you know, when I first saw it, it was some sort of uh, like puritanical. <laughs> like.
2: It's a period piece. <laughs> I really thought it was I mean, based
0: on the garb that the women wear.
2: Garb. Wow. Listen,
1: he really, you really paying a picture. Ensembles. <laughs> the
2: ensembles.
0: The fancy outfits.
2: The fashions.
0: I mean, except for the fact that it wasn't black. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they're wearing red, which obviously is uh, generally associated with uh, infidelity or sin. The scarlet letter. Right, the scarlet letter. Hester Prynne. You know all about that one. Um, so... The problem I had was Asher's comes in and is like, "Hey, look at this! I want you to see this." So I'm like, "All right, let's see what this is." You know,
1: wasn't I like the one that kind of like told you guys to watch it?
0: You did, and like she started watching it, and I was like, "Oh, you're four episodes in." Oh, I thought we were watching this together. Oh, all right, that's fine. Okay, so I guess we're not, but that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> I'll just uh, I'll catch up later. So we're sitting there, and she's like, "Come here! Come here! Come here!" I'm like. I'm doing like really important stuff.
2: You never do important
0: important stuff. I was probably uh, consulting with myself from the future on some uh, financial advice. Clearly, not good financial advice.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, But uh, she shows me this scene where there's just row upon row of, of these women, these handmaids, and they're being led onto a gallows. And the gallows is in like center field of fucking Fenway Park. Oh. And I'm like, the fuck is going on here?
2: So over here we have the green monster. And then over here are where the handmaids were almost hung. <laughs>
0: so I'm like, this is confusing. So obviously I have to I have to, you know, watch it. And what Ash has kept telling me is this is a dystopian thing and it's See, I'm just going to give you my impression and let these ladies talk because this is more impactful to them than to myself. Um, it's a dystopian future that is actually not as far-fetched now as it was in 1985. Correct. So I'm going to leave it at that, and you guys can like rock, paper, scissors to see who goes we next. We should
1: do a disclaimer first because yeah, this is, so is going to get... Shit is going to get real. This
0: podcast contains spoilers. <laughs> you have been warned.
1: <laughs> well, not just
2: the spoilers. So but. usually we try to keep things pretty lighthearted. And, you know, we do kind of talk a little bit about politics, but we try not to dwell on it too much. And, you know, we try not to be super negative and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really can't refrain from all of that while talking about Ofred and the Handmaid's Tales. So if you're looking for a nice, fun, lighthearted episode of Throwdown Thursday, tune in next week or listen to one of our other episodes because we are gonna get heavy, we are gonna get dirty, we're gonna get political, and you may not like what you have to hear. Current.
0: I honestly don't think we have a lot of conservative right leaning listeners. Um, if we did, we've lost them long ago.
2: <laughs> I would hope so.
0: And if not, well, we'll lose you after this one.
2: No, and and just throwing it out there, some of this conversation may not be suitable for work, just because of the subject matter mm-hmm. of of the television series. What is what what happens? What is covered? So, are we ever you? suitable for
0: work? I think only the Kirby episode was suitable for work.
2: <laughs> Um. So, consider yourselves warned, and we, we are going to get into spoiler
1: territory.
0: We are well. going. Yes. Yeah, so we, we are going. Gave the spoiler warning.
2: We are going to cover up through episode four of the second season. Mm-hmm. So, if you are not up to date, if you are a fan of the show but you're not quite up to date, uh, we're going to be getting to that point. So, turn it off, go catch up, and then come back because we want you to listen and we hope that you like what we have to say. So this character and this show,
1: uh, <laughs> holy fuck. Holy, I picked a good one, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, I,
2: so I was slightly turned on when I saw that this was becoming a thing um, you know, it was announced that they were making uh, The Handmaid's Tale, a television television series, uh, a Hulu series, and they cast Elizabeth Moss. Now, I am a fan of Elizabeth Moss. I love Mad Men. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And her as Peggy Olson just stole my heart. Um, so I knew right off the bat that I wanted to check this out Eventually, because I was such a fan of hers, um, yeah. and Agent Nicole started watching this before I did, and she pretty much said, we, "We have to come to this character, and you have to you have to watch it." Mm-hmm. And I made the mistake of binge watching all ten episodes of the first season in one sitting. Holy fuck! Holy. Fuck. Fuck um, Now I'm gonna Go last but I want to throw this question Out um, mm-hmm. agent Nicole what Is your overall Feeling of the show And and like really like how does it Make you
1: feel watching it um, So when I started watching It last year um, Unfortunately we started the presence The four year of hell that we're gonna Be we're on the second year right now um, so my feeling around that time wasn't very high, like a lot of the people in our country um and i I do enjoy watching a lot of television shows, and I started watching this show just because out of the love for Elizabeth Moss, who's I am a madman fan as well. I love Peggy Olson, so I just was like, okay, I'm gonna give it a try.' the more that i kept watching it it just felt like it was kind of like you felt everything that this so like this book is 35 years old and it was take it was written in the 80s for the future it seemed like margaret Atwell, atwood basically went to the future and wrote the book because of how much of an impact it has i remember there were a few times and especially in season 1 where i was in tears I was stressed out because, you know, our political climate is not at the very best. We went from having one of the most brilliant minds, someone who was so impactful to having a piece of shit orangutan for fucking president. And as a female who, you know, you know, that's a strike against us, like, it just felt like I didn't have a voice. And then, was as I kept watching this show, seeing these women, especially Offred, and seeing the things that they're going through, it's like it was kind of like there's like a one episode where, you know, there's a Latin quote where it says, like, don't let the bastards grind you down. I just felt like, you know, okay, that was going to be like my new anthem of the year. Like, don't let these assholes take you down. And the more that I watched this show, the more I felt empowered. But then I'm also feeling stressed out because of, like... I hope it never happens, but up to where we are in the show, it's it's scary to figure... Like, it's scary of where things might happen. Like, this could possibly happen. Like, anything is possible. And I hope to, you know, all, like, the lords of the seven and the old gods and the new gods that this shit doesn't happen. Because I... I just... This show has such a huge impact on me. Like, even trying to talk about it, it's just... It's an emotional strain. It's a show that we... A lot of people who don't have a voice, um, females, a lot of females would say... I would say, like, this is a show that we really do need to kind of lift our spirits to get through this fucking hell that we're going to be going through for the next couple of years with this presidency. And it's... It's, it's, I have a lot of feelings and it's just, it's, it's jumbling around in my head because it's just, I'm like the character, the main character, you know, I do love her and then I don't love her. And there's characters that I do love and then there are characters I do feel bad and I shouldn't feel bad. And then I feel like that's kind of like the political climate, the general attitude of this world is like, it's wishy washy. We're kind of back and forth, back and forth with a lot of things. And, I will cut that at the moment. <laughs> so, that's how I feel. I mean, this show is just it's 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 a show that we haven't had in a very long time that really kind of makes you think. I mean, there's shows that really do make you think, but this one really hits home for a lot of people and it really does hit home for the feminist movements, for women, for people of race, all sorts of all that.
2: Yeah, watching it, um, especially watching it all in one sitting, I found myself having to pause it at points because mm-hmm. I realized I wasn't breathing. Like I, I, I couldn't breathe because of what I was was watching. It was almost like a, kind of like a panic attack. Almost, I felt myself getting really anxious and angry. And having flashbacks so there are there are certain things um that happen that you know unfortunately mirror some of the things that I've dealt with in my life, so you know having flashbacks to to certain things and just making me feel all of these emotions, and God damn it, I don't like feeling emotions, so you know um i just uh, and there were times when i just i I had to pause it because I was so speechless. Mm. I mean, A, the show is not afraid to go there. And I feel that's probably because the book wasn't afraid to go there. And, you know, it's not pretty. And these girls aren't glamorous. And they're not heavily made up. And it's not a show where... Everything looks unattainable. Um, it's real. It is so real. And some of the things that are that are happening right now in our political climate, you know, women having to fight for their right to birth control. You know, women having to fight for their right to consent. Like, that is bullshit. And that is stuff that is mirrored in this show. Um, it's... Crazy, and then we think about like I'm watching it. I'm like, how could this happen? How could this happen? And June herself, uh, June Osborne, the original name of the offered character, uh, says kind of like in a flashback that she's having, um, where she blames herself. And the former society around her for having been, quote, asleep at that time, which was how we let it happen. She was quoted saying, when they slaughtered Congress, we didn't wake up. When they blamed terrorists and suspended the Constitution, we didn't wake up then either. They said it would be temporary. Nothing changes instantaneously. In a gradually heating bathtub, you'd be boiled to death before you knew it. And that just hit home for me like oh my god we have this our, our current government and our current politics yes we have we have people who are, are still fighting for a right to party and that is great and we are going to continue fighting for a right to party but there are people who have become complacent there are people who are fighting for For change in the opposite direction they want to revert us back they want to take away some of our rights you know we have people saying that women don't have a voice and don't deserve to be educated and i can't tell you how many times i've been told that my place is in the kitchen why am i not barefoot and pregnant well fuck you that's why
0: Patsy, what a jerk you are! I know, right? <laughs> well, no, and, and, and to build, he's on, like,
2: "Where is my sandwich, woman?"
0: <laughs> I asked you an hour ago. Well, no, to, to kind of like build on what you're talking about, you know, this, I look at this, um, this show in a different light because I would be the husband driving my ass off to get you to Canada, taking a bullet for you to make sure you're, you know, you you get safe as as best you can. Um, But, like, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's too far-fetched. Oh, no, that would never happen. Right now, right now, there are laws in Kentucky that, for some reason, these these just came up to repeal a law that's in place that says it's okay for an adult, generally a man, It's okay for him to impregnate a 13-year-old as long as they get married. Mm -hmm. There are states where you can legally marry a horse. Let that sink in. There are still 13 states, I believe it is, where bestiality is okay. And these are the same states that say, well... Gay marriage violates the sanctity of the Bible, so we can't have that. Man, man on man, that's terrible. Man on horse, totally fine. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? I oh Wilbur.
2: <laughs> but no, I, it's it's ridiculous. In North Carolina, they passed a law saying that if you say yes and then you say no, it's still yes because you said yes first and that's what counts.
0: There are states where... If a man rapes a woman and gets her pregnant, that man can then file for custody of that fucking child. Mm-hmm. Like, are you shitting me? Yeah. What fucking year are we in? Exactly. So, And there are people fighting to keep this this way. Just want you to know, I get angry about lots of shit, not just fucking inaccuracies in movies.
2: So getting into this this character... So, kind of need to paint the landscape at the time. So, it's obviously in the future. It's the U.S. Birth rates are down for some reason. Uh, Pollution is up. Um, The world is, is changing and people are trying to find a way To make it better People are feeling like The human race isn't going to Survive as a species Because of underpopulation Mm -hmm. Um, People are Concerned for The planet And they're concerned about The future Of the world As a whole Now that sounds like a good thing Right? You would think so But out of this concern grew this extremist group, ultimately called the Sons of Jacob, Mm -hmm. trying, now their ultimate goal was to instill family values back into the United States of America. They believed that the family should consist of a wife, and a husband, and children. And they believed that the man should go work while the woman uh, was submissive to him and stayed home and cared for the home and the children. And this this very... So, you know, when you were saying it kind of looked like a Puritan type thing, yeah, very, very Puritan values.
0: Very religious Very, uh... like very
2: Oregon Trail without the dying of the dysentery, Um, you know, but in doing so, they adapted this passage of the Bible that kind of bent to their needs. So um, I don't remember the exact passage, but it's the story of Jacob, who's wife couldn't conceive, but her sister could and the wife was like, give me children or else I die. And like the husband ended up impregnating like the the, the servant or whatever in order to the provide me. Well ultimately yes, but um, you know, to to provide the wife with the child that she so desired. And so adapting this passage, To the family values, quote-unquote, grew this group called the Sons of, of, of Jacob, and they created this, what they viewed as a utopian society called the Republic of Gilead, and I'm just going to read from my notes right here. So Gilead originally began as various religious extremist groups that believed that America needed to be saved, quote unquote, from sin and corruption. According to the conference transcript at the end of the novel, these coalesced into a single conspiracy, which referred to itself as the sons of Jacob through a series of coordinated attacks. They assassinated the U.S. president and members of Congress, as well as staff from the White House and all nine justices of the Supreme Court. They blamed these attacks on terrorists and created a new government, which quickly began hunting down anyone they perceived as being ungodly or a threat. This included political activists, doctors, members of other religious groups, and gender minorities, and intellectuals. Soon the U.S. ceased to exist, and from its ashes rose the Republic of Gilead. After the Republic of Gilead's establishment, armed resistance against the new regime would intensify even further, with the rebel groups, uh, pro-U.S., anti-Gilead, citizen militias, and the U.S. armed forces who were still loyal to the U.S. government, um, and they were actually based in Anchorage, Alaska. Anchorage, Alaska became the new Washington, D.C. So they somehow, these Republic of Gilead people, these Sons of Jacob, pushed the U.S. as far as, West as they could, mm-hmm. and there were still some states. But I believe, like, uh, at this point, when we are introduced to June as Alfred, I believe like two states were left, yeah. Um, and the sons of Jacob were at war with what was left of the U.S., and um. Canada, Canada, (laughs) Canada. Canada, um, What's
0: all that about eh? (laughs) then?
2: Was was in alliance with the U.S. and was taking on uh, escapees pretty much um, from Gilead. And they created a, a place called Little America in Toronto. Mm hmm. And, but this is all, like, happening. Just letting the
0: derailers know, if this shit happens, we're crashing with you guys.
2: Right, I'm getting my passport ready. Um, I'll share a
0: room with Zim, I don't care. <laughs> Fucking play toys all the time. But
2: this is what's happening in... Um, so, we the story happens, and this is already all taken place. So, that's where the main portion of, of the story happens but we get a little bit of offreds slash june's backstory um which shows the lead up the build up of all of this
0: uh before we go any further can you explain why her name is offred well i'm gonna get to that okay i'm,
2: I'm, I'm gonna talk a little bit about the build up okay okay of this first so um and nicole if you just butt in oh because uh. i got i got you got this and i could
1: <laughs> i could insert some stuff too um but before we talk about June, in the book, they don't mention her name as being June. It's kind of left to the readers to, like, they. there's a scene that's also in the film, I mean, in the film, in the TV show where they're at the Red Center is where the handmaids are kind of, like, brought together to kind of, like, learn their lessons and whatnot. And some of them are told their real names, but June is kind of, like... um not mention and so Margaret Atwood has like came out and said you know I never meant to like keep her name out of there but if you believe her name is June believe as you wish like she let that happen like she let her fans know like you can have it as be June and they kind of went with it with the television show in the movie her name is actually Kate which is completely opposite of June but um, that
0: was yeah. Kate opposite of June It
1: just it just doesn't you know it's her not name a Her name is July. July. <laughs> um, but yeah, so go what you need to go.
2: <laughs> um, so giving a little backstory of who June Osborne is. So she was born uh, to her mother and she was brought up with just her mother.
0: As, as, it, as, as you do. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you quiet over there. I meant mother. to say she
2: was born when her mother was 37 years old.
0: That's different.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, I'm so tired. Let her um, speak,
1: please.
0: Oh, sure, but when I fuck up at the
1: beginning of the show <laughs> That's different.
2: I've I, I've I've had a couple of weeks off. I'm I'm a little rusty, excuse me.
0: Excuses.
2: Um so anyways, she was born when her mother was thirty seven years old. Is that better? She was
0: born when she was just a baby. <laughs>
2: And her mother was a hardcore feminist. So when June was younger, like one of her earliest memories is her mother taking her to a take back the night rally uh, where women were protesting and tossing slips of paper with the names of their rapists into these fires and trash cans. Um, And she completely disapproves of June's lifestyle And not that June's lifestyle is is super far-fetched. June just happened to get married and have a child and has a job. And her mother is so disappointed that she settled for this marriage and family lifestyle. Um, Getting into her husband, she met her husband, Luke, while uh, he was still married to his first wife. They ended up having an affair. He left his wife for June June became pregnant with their daughter Hannah and they were just kind of like this happy little unit. Mm-hmm. Um there was a, it was kind of miraculous that June was even able to conceive yeah. and she was very apprehensive about that you know she she didn't even know if she wanted to carry it because she didn't know what was going to happen and apparently at this point even if you carry two term a lot of times you did not give birth a to a live baby yeah. Yeah. so there was just so much heartbreak that you know potentially there already and she just didn't know if she could deal with any of that uh, but she did she gave birth to a beautiful healthy little girl and she Shortly after, I want to say maybe a day or two while she was still in the hospital, a woman who had actually lost her baby stole Hannah out of just complete completely grief stricken. Yeah. Um, she was was horrible and um it created this whole scene of just just heartbreak. These women who are just desperate for children yeah these women who you know they they and it's okay you know what if kids are your thing that's cool if kids are not your thing that's cool too yeah. you do you mm-hmm. but you know some of these women were just so hell-bent you know so desperate for children mm-hmm. and they weren't able to have any or if they did you know they didn't survive yeah. and you know they were willing to do anything to obtain a child
1: yeah in the book it's i think hannah is about 14 months where she is basically almost kidnapped by a woman who is grief-stricken. Um, before we get more into like the story, a lot of the book and the television show is very, very true to like the events that happen, especially in season one. And we'll talk about the ending of season one because mm-hmm. it will talk about the end of the book of The Handmaid's Tale. But very much like, the way that things are, like, her relationship with her mother, the relationship with Luke, the events that happened, like, her mother's disapproval of Luke and the marriage and how she's settling and how, um, you know, she reminds June, like, you know, I took you to rallies where you had to go burn a, a pornographic book because – and June was, like, she didn't understand why she had to do it. So a lot of the events – like, this book is very – like, the, the television show is very true to the book – with a little bit of stuff that's kind of um, there's some details that we'll definitely discuss of like the differences but very much the timeline and everything that you're currently saying right now is very true to the book yeah so
2: after the takeover there's some buildup between um, June and her current family and, and well and her previous family life versus. Offred, you know, her becoming Offred. So um, what ends up happening is June is on birth control and she has to ask her husband Luke to sign a form so that she hit pretty much. It's, it's him giving her permission to pick up her birth control prescription and. Um, June and her friend Moira learn that the government has frozen all women's bank accounts and they cannot use any of their, their credit cards.
0: Because they're no longer allowed to own property. That
2: yes. Well, yep. yes. Um, they're trying to get coffee. They're out for a run. They go to get coffee and the barista pretty much spits at them and says, your card is declined and you're not welcome here. Come
0: back when you have some money, you fucking sluts. Yeah. Like that's what he says to them. Cause he asks where, uh, she asks where the normal barista is. Yes. And he's the like, normal,
2: the normal woman who how should I know? gets their coffee was not there. Mm-hmm. And this was weird to them. And here's this new jerky kid who, you know, calls them sluts and throws her credit card at her. Um, And then shortly after that, all of the women who work where June works, uh, she is like a a publisher's assistant Mm -hmm. um, at a publishing company. All of the women are round up and let go from their jobs due to the new law stating that women are no longer allowed to work or hold property. So not only does she no longer have access to her bank account or her, you know, any money, but she no longer has the ability to earn money yeah. and own property. Like, what type of bullshit is that? Um, and still they hold out. Some people are fleeing towards Canada at this point and they hold out and they hold out. And finally they realize, you know, and this is after um, people are protesting this and the protests are just turning violent. There's this one scene where um, June and Moira are in this crowd protesting as well. All of this bullshit and the militia just opened fires yeah. on the crowd of people. And
0: they have a fucking tank at this point.
2: Yeah. And, you know, they just barely escape
0: Like, they are not in any danger. This wasn't like, you know, the crowd's getting rowdy and throwing Molotov cocktails and rocks and bottles no, and shit. No, it was a
2: ra- I mean, people were yelling, it but was it was a, a rather peaceful protest. It was a
0: rowdy rally because they were, you know, loud because they're pissed off. And then they just opened fire, started shooting. Like just mowing people down without a second thought, and then marching down the street, mowing people up, shooting people in the back. Like
2: yeah, it was
0: crazy shit that like crazy crazy you shit. see on the news in other countries that never happens here
2: uh, until until it, it does. Um, and ultimately they decide that it would be best for the three of them to this is. June and her husband Luke and their daughter Hannah to flee to Canada. Now, at this point, you actually need a Canadian passport. So your U.S. passport is no longer valid. You need a Canadian passport to get into Canada. So they had uh, somebody working with them who brought them to the border, but could not let them cross the border until he procured the passports for them. So they were pretty much camping out right outside of the border Mm -hmm. and come to find out the person who was supposed to be getting them their passports was killed.
1: Yeah, I I believe he was a friend of of June's mother. And the reason why they were also fleeing is because Luke's first marriage was valid. His second marriage to June was not valid, so basically, you know, they their relationship in the eyes of the sons of Jacob did not was just not right. So, they they also escaped for that reason as well.
0: Well, he uh, he mentioned that in the show, and this is something I picked up on. Uh, the reason why he he was like, oh yeah, I'll definitely help you out. I definitely want to help you out. Because uh, June's mom in the show apparently is a doctor and gave him a vasectomy. Because he mentions, yeah, she snipped me before it was illegal. Yeah. So. Yes. Yeah.
2: So they're notified that the person who's supposed to be helping them has been killed and that people are looking for them. They know that they're there and they need to they need to leave. So they attempt to flee. Ultimately they get caught. Luke is shot and June attempts to run away with Hannah, but Hannah is she's probably what like 7 7, yeah. At yeah. this point, um, you know, and it's just too heavy for her to carry and she ultimately gets caught herself and taken into the... Well, she's knocked unconscious. She wakes up in the back of a van, and she is being transported to the Red Center. Now, the Red Center is a school, and granted, I mean... This takes place in Boston. So Gilead <laughs> is Boston. So it's crazy to see like Fenway Park and Logan Airports and all of these landmarks that I'm so used to seeing so lively mm-hmm. and colorful and, down churches. Yeah, uh, just completely drab and gray and gloomy and just so full of sadness. I get
0: a lot of, uh, you know. I mentioned this a lot throughout several podcasts, but I get a, a, a very Fallout 4 vibe because mm-hmm. Fallout 4 is also post-apocalyptic that takes yeah. place in Boston. And you see a lot of these same things, you know, like, you know, uh, Boston Common and, you know, all these other places that, you know, are just full of death and destruction. and Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy.
2: And there at the Red Center is pretty much where these... Gilead representatives attempt to gaslight their captured, you know, their captures. Captives, um, yes, captives. Thank you. So, June and the other women who are brought into the Red Center, they are tagged like livestock.
0: Yeah, they have a red tag on their left ear.
2: Yeah, um, and they are. Oh, this is where we meet Aunt Lydia. Oh, fuck. And who has
0: uh, been lovingly compared to Sarah Huckabee Sanders by Michelle Wolf at the uh, White House Correspondence I think, Dinner.
1: I think she's probably the, like, spot of Nurse Ratchet, but even worse. Like, I have feelings about Aunt Lydia. We'll talk about that later, but...
2: Yeah, so Aunt Lydia, her role is to indoctrinate... These ladies into their handmade roles, telling them about the declining birth rates and how they are "quote unquote" special, serving a biblical purpose. Um, and June actually gets in touch with her friend Moira again. She mm-hmm. she sees Moira there, and you know a couple of other people that she she recognizes. Um, and this is this is pretty much where the the story begins, and you start to see. The harsh treatment of these handmaids and the purpose of these handmaids and the breakdown of Gilead and the hierarchy of the sons of Jacob and starting with that. So, Agent Nicole, Ashley, June Osborne Mm -hmm. is given the name Mm Alfred.
1: Where does that come from? Of Fred. So, um, These handmaid's tales are basically assigned to uh, houses of those of, like, high command. So, she is of Fred. Um, She's part of the house of the Water... 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 Waterford. Waterford. Waterford, Waterford, Sorry. Waterford. The commander's name is Fred. So, she is of Fred. So, you no longer have a name. Nope. You're just... You're a belonging. You you belong belong to somebody. You're a property Property, of somebody else. Yes. some of them will change their names. Um, so there is a character in the series called um, Janine who uh, successfully has a child. She was of, I forget, of Warren. No, not of Warren. Yeah. She, uh, oh, yeah. Of, yeah, of I Warren. She was of Warren. She was of Warren. And then she was, then after giving birth, she was basically traded off to another family and was named of Daniel. For another family to see if they can be conceive a child out of her. And these handmaids are basically, I hate to say it, but they're like, they're brewing stock. Basically, they're they're, they're surrogates breeding, breeding for stock. for yes. these families.
0: They're incubators. Yeah. yeah. That's yes. how the society looks yeah. yep. at them. They're
1: basically incubators. So you get of Glenn, who's a very close companion or who was a close companion to Alfred, who was like her shopping buddy. And you learn a lot about of Glenn of her past, and that one's also a sad. Explain one. the
0: the shopping buddy thing.
1: So, of the handmaids are not allowed to go off on their own; they are um, basically assigned to a shopping buddy, where they're walking together, they're going to the store together, they travel together in packs, just mostly because you know there has been troubles where some of these. Handmaids escape or try to escape, and if you escape or do anything that's against the rules, um, sometimes your consequences is you get put up to the wall, which is ha- being hung out and display as being a sinner. And so the shopping buddies is basically you know they walk. You have somebody that will walk you to your post or to your home
0: because women can't drive. They
1: can't drive. They don't have these women are basically just property. So, um they that's how they do it. Well, not only that, they're
2: trying to so they want these women to keep tabs on each other. Mm-hmm. So, they're hoping that they can gaslight these ladies enough to, you know, pretty much be each other's babysitter yeah. and tattletale and, you know, tell on um these handmaids who are misbehaving. Yeah,
0: you better behave and because she's watching you and you're watching so,
2: her. So, you know, it's funny because, you know, uh, I forget what she calls the off-glen, like a pious little...
0: Bitch. Bi-
2: yes, pious little bitch, um, thinking that off-glen is this, you know... Rule, fo- rule follower, and you know, mm. um, I love Offred's inner monologue. Uh, <laughs> what she says versus what she's thinking—two completely different things. She's following the rules because she doesn't want to get shot. Yeah, um, you know, she or doesn't. worse. Yeah, she doesn't want to be executed but she doesn't realize that her shopping buddy OffGlen is doing the exact same thing until they eventually strike up a conversation and realize that they both have very similar thought process. Yeah, cuz they're it, at and, an ice and, cream and store. Calling them, and OffGlen tells Ofra that she thought she was a pious little bitch.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a scene where they're at like a uh, at a yeah, like an ice cream store. Well,
2: it used to be. And she's, she's like,
0: like Oh, that ice cream! Oh, they had like some flavor. She was, it was like better, better than, than sex, sex,
2: good sex. And then that's when Alfred realized, like, okay, like this, she's she's good people. Like yeah. I can talk to her. Um, so you learn a lot of some of these ladies' backstories, and then you learn about the the main purpose for them. So you know that their main purpose is is to breed, but I was curious as to how they went about it. Like, is it a turkey baster situation? <laughs> oh,
0: like in uh, what you call it?
2: Don't Breathe?
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah.
2: No, no. It is. I, I wish, I kind of wish it was a turkey baster yeah, situation. at this point yeah, um, you wish for No, it. they have this whole thing that they call... The ceremony, mm-hmm. and without getting into to make too it sound much detail, um, the ceremony is this whole thing where the handmaid lays her head in the lap of the commander's wife, mm-hmm. and you know they're on on there she's laying on a bed, and the commander comes in. And pretty much rapes the handmaiden in an attempt to procreate, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be one of those. And the wife
0: holds the handmaiden's arms down. Yes, during this process, as yes.
1: like it's a symbolizing very, of like that's her. Yes,
0: and this is supposed to be, and this is one and of the, the things. The husband
1: is supposed to
2: maintain eye contact with the wife yeah. throughout but the, all of this. but
0: the wife generally can't maintain eye contact with yeah. him. But the big thing is, this is purely. This is a religious ceremony. this is yes, purely like, for procreation. He there enters is,
2: the room and reads bible scriptures and then rapes the handmaid like how fucked up is that
0: but there's no, but there's no there's no um there's no relationship there's not supposed to be any relationship Correct. there's not supposed to be any pleasure taken by either yeah. party mm-hmm. um. So and a
1: lot of these, the reason why the handmaids are there is because the wives are not able to carry or not able to have. Well, and that's no, what they're, they're told. Older. Yeah. Well, and, but
2: that's what they're told. Yeah. Come to find out, and we find this out in a later episode when the doctor is talking to Alfred that a lot of these men are actually sterile, yeah. but they won't admit or believe that they are sterile because mm-hmm. they are men and they hold themselves in the highest regard. Yeah. Therefore, they blame their their wives for being barren.
0: Yeah, it has to be the wife, even though mm. you know they'll go from because one doctor, handmaid to the next one, to the next one, the to the next one. doctor
2: offered to impregnate her. Impregnate yeah.
0: And we see that in the show later Off, on, right. yeah. they use the driver, like like okay, Nick you're gonna ha- yeah, you're gonna have sex with him, and he's gonna impregnate you because today is the the ceremony day, so he's gonna have the first mm-hmm. shot at you, and then later on, you know, my husband's gonna come home and perform the ceremony, so mm-hmm. if you do get pregnant, we can just say that it was him, yeah, which. You know, again, this is another fucked up part of this society and like this is a thing that's like, "Oh, we're trying to make the world a better place." Well, if you want to make the world a better place, you have to admit that, you know, maybe you're the fucking problem. Like that's where 99% and this this doesn't just go for this TV show. This goes for, you know, real life too. People who don't want to admit that they're the problem, people who don't want to admit that maybe they're the reason that things are so fucked up because they can't admit that because they don't have the strength of character or the, the, the integrity to do so, they're the ones that are causing the problems and they're f- foisting their problems and they're they're projecting their problems onto everyone else, their perceived enemies, their perceived you know, downfall, like, oh, it's not me, it's everybody else. I'm such a great guy. See all these different wives that I've had? Oh, that's because I'm such a great guy. But, oh, uh, I get all the religious vote because I'm for family values. And then you see that same exact thing in this show where the, the uh, uh, Fred, Fred Waterford, starts to have... Uh, these late night Scrabble sessions and that's not a euphemism. It's literally, a, that's they literally what Scrabble.
2: they do. Okay, I'm going to hold, yeah.
0: But I'm just, I just want to, okay. but there's not supposed to be any type of intimacy whatsoever. Like the only interaction is speak when you're spoken to, we'll do the ceremony, but that's it. Like, hey, how are you doing? How's your day? Awesome. You know, let's say some weird Bible shit. You know, may the Lord open, whatever the fuck that means.
2: Praise and, be the Fruit Loops.
0: Yeah. And, <laughs> Like that's that's what your interaction's supposed to be. Like she is never supposed to be alone with the the uh commander. The commander. But as we see, there's rules for people, and then there's rules for people who are in charge of those people. Well, those rules are always fucking different,
2: right? And getting into her relationship with Commander Waterford, the relationship that she's not supposed to have with him, she figures out early on that he can't get it up unless he has some type of connection yeah. with her. So she starts having these uh, late-night Scrabble sessions. and Again, not the, a euphemism. They no, literally no, they, play Scrabble. They, they really do play Scrabble because he realizes that she's smart and that she can read. Now, granted, it is against the law for women to read. Women are not allowed to read. I'm just letting this sink in for two seconds. Women cannot read against the law. Like, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. Right? But she starts having these um, late night Scrabble sessions. And, you know, obviously he's, he's like, you know, if you don't tell, I won't tell. Mm-hmm. Because they could both get in trouble. You yeah. know, they both have something that they can hang over each other's heads. So if you and take one out, you're going to take both of them out.
0: But we do see that some some of these commanders get punished for things that they do. Yeah, but I was the just com- again, the punishment for the commander is far less than that of what the handmaiden will deal. with. Yeah,
1: I was going to say later in season one of Warren, who you know has the baby, she tries to take the baby, and she was about to commit playing out suicide, and suicide she's and screaming mat- uh, infanticide. Huh.
0: Suicide and infanticide. Yeah,
1: and she's screaming at the commander, you made me do all these things to you. You told me all this stuff. And, you know, that commander is like, I can't, you know, this the shit that he's done is coming out. And then you find out later in the episode, a lot of these commanders are trying to figure out the fate for the commander, Commander Warren, who kind of screwed, almost got his baby killed, almost got this handmaid's killed because of a fantasy he and put in her and we found out that the wife of Warren was like give him the harshest punishment you can
2: and they ultimately took his hand yeah um
0: was it even his dominant hand
2: I don't know yeah I think it was his left I haven't hand. gotten to
0: that point yet so I'm, um, I'm like eight episodes in
2: but you you start to see and and you see what Alfred sees so you start to think, oh, this Commander Waterford—he's not such a bad guy. Like he's kind of nice, you know. He's it just, just, just making the best of the situation. Well, then you realize that Commander Waterford is one of the creators of the Sons of Jacob. And that he is a very high up commander, which is why he can get away with a lot of the shit that he gets away with. So, you know, he holds other people accountable. But when it comes to him, eh, gray area mm-hmm.
0: um, rules are for everyone else.
2: And then you find out that he has these kind of sick and twisted fantasies. Yeah. And that he projected those fantasies onto the previous handmaid that they had. And the handmaid ultimately ended up hanging herself in her bedroom with her bedsheets. Yeah. And you find this out because Serena Joy, the wife of Commander Waterford, was like, I can't believe this is, you know, don't do not do this to me again. Don't, you know, says yeah. s- s- something along don't the lines. Don't ruin line.
0: the next one. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. is why we can't have nice things. The thing
1: is, this is also her fault because she's yeah, the she one who instigated crea- the shit well, out of this. Well, the thing is, she's the one who created this idea and her husband's the one who basically ran with the idea to find if he can get it. Right. Know. Well, and,
2: and this is a really good segue into Alfred's relationship with Serena Joy. Yeah. Uh. Um, So initially you have I mean I know I felt sorry for the character of Serena Joy yeah. because you feel like she's been dragged into this situation by her husband and all she yeah. wants is a child and that she's barren. And, you know, that she's this meek woman. Mm-hmm. And that is the furthest thing <laughs> from the truth.
1: Uh. She
2: is pretty much the mother of the movement. Yeah. And she created this monster. And then this monster snowballed into something bigger. Like, all she wanted was a return to family values. She mm-hmm. she hated seeing women out there, you know, working, neglecting their children. Tell no, the name um, of the book. A woman's place? Yeah. 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 She wrote a book called A Woman's Place. And now, and and, and there's a a reference to that, like, oh, I heard you were an author or a woman's place. I read your book. Now it's illegal for women to read your book. Yeah. Uh, And they actually show uh, her book in these trash bins out, you know, for for collection. Yeah. When everything Um, starts to
0: switch over, she gets rid of all her old clothes and gets all her blue stuff because the wives wear blue, the handmaidens wear red, so you mm. can cut, and the, the aunts wear gray, so you can easily tell somebody apart their station just by their clothes, yep. which is very Nazi-esque.
2: And you really get a feel for Serena Joy's character when they think Alfred is pregnant because she hadn't gotten her period yet. Her period was just a couple of days late, and they kind of jumped the gun with thinking, oh my God, you're pregnant. So they're showering her yeah. with a good breakfast. And oh, here, let me get that for you. Oh, thank you so much for this blessed gift that you're going. I know it's too early to tell, but thank you so much for this blessed gift that you are about to bestow upon this family. And oh, whatever you need, Alfred, I'm here for you. Thank you so much. And then Alfred gets her period. And mm-hmm. Serena Joy fucking freaks out and grabs Alfred and slams her to the ground and just berates her like, "How dare you get your period? How yeah. dare you do this to me?" Because apparently Alfred got her period on she did purpose. It, she did it out of and spite, and she did it on purpose. Yes. And then proceeds to banish Alfred to her room. Now her her one windowed twin sized bed. Bedroom. It's probably
0: 8 by 12, but it, she does have her own bathroom. Um, But bare walls. Yeah. Like, no no
2: entertainment, nothing. Because there's no Banish books. Banish her. Banishes her to her bedroom for weeks. Yeah. Yeah, it was like weeks. a month.
0: It was like until the. Like, it was until even after the, the next ceremony.
2: Yeah, and. Arthur eventually had the opportunity to beg the commander Commander Waterford to ask Serena Joy to let her out cuz he apparently didn't even realize that this was going on. Yeah. Um so she has this like this just violent desire for children and she's so desperate. And I feel like this desperation comes from resentment Mm -hmm. towards her husband and kind of towards herself for mothering this movement. It's kind of like, shit, what the fuck did I do?
1: You could tell that she's really starting to regret what she has done. Because she was
2: supposed to be a part of everything. Yeah, and basically she was shut out. Right, because all of these laws were put in place, you know, taking rights away from women. And then all of a sudden, well... Sweetie, you're a woman too. So if you're going to take the voice away from all of the other women, your, your voice, voice good, yeah, voice your voice is, is going to be away taken too. away
1: from too. And so, again, the rules are
0: for everyone else.
1: And this will dip into season two, but you do see Serena Joy get more. I mean, she plays a lot of mind games with Alfred, where Alfred's trying to go home. She's trying to find her husband. She finds out that her husband is still alive and is in Canada. Um, She's trying to get to her daughter. In the end of season one, Alfred is pregnant. Mm -hmm. She does become pregnant, and, you know, this is before she finds out that she's pregnant. She gets basically slapped, beaten by Serena Joy because she finds out that she and her, Alfred and the commander having kind of like relationships out out in the open and then she forces her to ha- take a pregnancy test finds that she's finally pregnant you know and
2: pregnancy tests are contraband
1: are contraband correct yes like so. any
2: type of contraceptive anything like that that's contraband so and
1: then within i think i think it's episode four Well, we Alfred s- finds a way to escape and she finally gets basically captured back and she has to win the trust of the Waterfords. And Serena Joy almost chokes the shit out of her.
0: And uh, just for uh, disclaimers, episode four is the most recent one as of this recording. Correct. Season two, episode four. So that is where we're at. Obviously, yep. there's no she more She chokes her and says,
1: that. like, 92 days. That's how long she was missing for. And you see that Offred is, you know, a couple of months pregnant. She ha- She's having going to be having a baby and you know Serena Joy is missing the joys of you know a pregnancy and yeah she's pissed because she missed the first trimester can I
0: can I just jump in real quick because this is making me think of something you know you're saying missing all this stuff we see early on when of Warren Jeanette uh, Ginny. Ginny's. Ginny's. yes has her, her baby mm-hmm. the wife is like pantomiming the same shit that's going on. Yeah. Like, pretending to go through the motions of labor. Yep. Like, she's surrounded by all the other wives, and she's acting like she's giving birth, while, like, upstairs in another room, she's off with, they call them the Marthas. Yep. Uh, they're, like, house servants, but they're not used as uh, uh, sex slaves. Yeah. So... They're off delivering the baby, but she's pretending. So it's like a fucking stage play. Correct. And because I couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. Yeah. So I was asking Ashes. So I'm like, what the fuck is she doing? Is you she know. like LARPing right now? <laughs> <laughs> now?
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's just basically the... It's pregnancy
0: LARPing. Yeah, yes.
1: The, you know, these handmaids are doing the job of these wives are supposed to do. And so they're going to mimic every ceremony or... Everything, like the continue of labor and childbearing and stuff like that. And you do see that in episode four where Serena Joy, after, you know, the shit that has gone down, she gets into bed with Offred and is rubbing her stomach, you know, as like, you know, she could feel the baby kicking.
2: Yeah, she was like pretty much spooning with Offred, yeah. thinking that, you know, and Alfred was faking sleep at that moment um, and was rubbing her stomach and talking to the baby the way that any mother would be talking to you know their, their child in utero
1: yeah it's it's a really it's the the show really gets into the it's just it's it's just it's it's hard to describe sometimes but you have to watch it and you- i love offred a lot but she makes me angry so many well, times and-
0: I was going to say, if you are a, a caring, compassionate person who believes that, you know, human rights are human rights, like, it's not like, well, it's only straight white guys that have human rights, you know, and I guess some white women, but it has to be certain white women. No, rights are rights, and, like, this show will, it'll make you angry, and it'll, like, make you sad, It'll frustrate you. It'll, it'll hit a lot of emotions for you.
2: Um, And Offred's journey. So I, I don't like calling her Offred. I prefer to call just her call June. June. Let's just
1: call her June. Um, it's easier. <laughs>
2: June's journey. So, you know, we see how, you know, who she is and how she is in the beginning before all of this happens. And I feel like I could be friends with her. Yeah, You know, and then you see her in the beginning of this whole thing where she's a handmaid, and it's almost like she's become complacent. Yeah, She's not sure what to do. She's not sure what to make of everything. She's trying to figure things out. She's trying to kind of survive. She's trying to survive. And yeah.
0: she's got to develop these survival skills on the fly and because this isn't something that she's used to. She's but not she's used also,
2: you know, and, and she doesn't really know... Like okay, what's outside of this? Do if I run away, do I have a place to go? Yeah, or am I just running to my death? You know, and not uh,
0: everybody hates this because there's that part where when her fir- Alexis Bledel's character gets taken away and she gets replaced, she goes, "Where's Off Glen? Oh, I am Off Glen!" Yeah. Like. You know, she tells her, she's she's like, "Don't fuck this up for me." She goes, "Oh, what you? Do you have a like a Nordstrom card and this and that?" And she's like, "Well, I preferred Anthropology." You know, like, "Oh, your husband would cook and do this and that." She goes, "I used to get fucked behind a dumpster for a happy meal and some drugs." Like, this is great for me,
2: right? And you have the women like that who appreciate this lifestyle because it ultimately saved them and got got them off the street. But for the average woman, this was unacceptable. This was not a life. You know, most of these women were educated and had jobs and were respected. And now they were nothing more than an incubator. And off uh, June's journey as Alfred is just so frustrating. You know, you see yeah. her being complacent. But then you also see her being methodical. Like, I... Uh, and then once she learns that there's this network, this almost like an underground railroad of, you know... Female road. Yes. Um, You know, called Mayday and, you know, learns of this and kind of grows a pair for lack of euphemism um, and becomes a part of this, this network and escapes. You know, you see her really like come into her own and she's a badass. Yeah. Like episode one of the second season when she cuts that tag out oh. of her ear and blood is just gushing down her neck and onto her white tank top. Like she looks fearless. Yeah. So fearless. She looks like a lioness just protecting her cub and mm. just willing to
1: do anything. Whereas see episode four <laughs> is the complete opposite. Right.
2: And then you see, you know, you, you see her going through this, this change and. In the first few episodes, she's so fearless. She is running. She knows that she can get away. She knows that Luke is safe in Canada. She knows that Hannah is still alive in Gilead. You know, and she does have some kind of like remorse um, leaving Hannah, but she's trying to convince herself that if she can get to Luke in Canada, that they can. Come back and get Hannah and Gilead, that they can, you know, form some sort of of, of team and you know, rescue these people who deserve to be rescued, these people who deserve to live a good life. And she's becoming this just fearless, ferocious, badass, and I love her. And then episode four happens, and that, and yeah, she's that- caught,
1: and she is brought back to the Waterfords. So this is really going <laughs> to show how strong she is. And it's just, it, you know, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, that's okay. You know, in C- episode four, basically, Lydia, Aunt Lydia, ugh, this is where Nurse Ratchet's like n- not even close to Aunt Lydia. Aunt Lydia, basically, um, the family that helps try to save June is basically punished because of June trying to escape. Or so, bring a fugitive. Yep. Yeah, and so, you know, June breaks down and Alfred kind of takes place. Well, and she just, has to play off But I mean, like, to, they're not so just punished. Like, the husband is, is executed. Dead. And the <laughs> wife, in order to redeem herself, has surrendered herself to be a handmaid. Mm-hmm. And they will never see, see their, their son, son again. And it's very much what. June went through because she doesn't she didn't know that her husband and, she thought her husband was dead until later on but it's very much mirrors the same thing that June has gone she through she can't
2: mm-hmm. live with this guilt yep. that she's feeling and all of a sudden you just see June like like that little part of her that was still June kind of just died. check out yeah. and she is just completely offered and the last thing you see her do it's just repeating over and over again. Oh, blessed day. Nice weather we're having. Yeah. We've been blessed with great weather. Yeah. We've been brought blessed with great weather. Yeah. And that's just complete, complete 180 from what she was just an episode prior. Mm-hmm. All right. I think. Uh, and and I just. Uh,
0: we could probably keep going for yeah. another two hours on this. But.
1: <laughs> I have to pee.
0: And we have. We have. Uh, I know. hundred stuff to episode. get to. But so I I mean obviously this has been a good conversation and this has just been like
1: I think we'll have to do it we may Lydia. have to
0: once this I think once this hits uh, season three or once we're done with season two we might have to revisit this mm-hmm. and you know kind of go over it and recap it Yeah. all the stuff we didn't get to and I really mean, find out where June's journey takes her
2: it's a great character it's a great show and You know, just allow your watch it and allow yourself to get frustrated with her because a lot of times it's uh, some of my frustration comes from would I do what she did. Yeah. Would I do the same thing or would I do something different? Would I be complacent and just looking to survive or would I fight for my right to party regardless? (laughs) Like, you know, what would I do? And you know she's just a woman trying to survive correct
0: she could be anybody that you know she could be you she could be anyone that you know it could be your mom your sister right you know your wife and
2: it's uh, it's crazy so i'm really interested to see how the rest of the season is going mm-hmm. to play out and the series has been greenlit for
1: third season yeah. as well. And in the book, and I'll we'll try to make this quick, in the book, it ends the same way that it ends in season one where she's getting into the band. And in the epilogue, it states that June basically is telling her story. So she has recorded stuff. We're not sure if she survives in the end. She survives enough to make these tapes, We're not sure if she is able if she was reunited with her family. We do find out that Gilead does fall, which maybe will happen in the series, depending on where they're going to go. You don't know if she has the baby. You don't know if she's with her family, but you do see that there's an end. But you don't know her complete fate. Whereas in the film with Natasha Richardson, she she escapes. She has she has a baby or she's pregnant with Nick they live in a trailer and she hopes to find her daughter one day so it's a little bit ambiguous from what the story is I feel like where this show might take you we will not we don't know it's I mean it's for another season I just I just want her to just get the fuck out of the water house. (laughs) it's that's all it's it's gonna be stressful
0: alright so I think we should just I think with that, unless you have anything else you want to add...
1: Praise be the Fruit Loops. plus yes. <laughs> Bless uh, the day, motherfuckers.
0: I think we'll, uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back and give you a preview for episode 100. And we'll be right back. I thought we were
1: just going to
2: go straight through. Hello. This is the Sasquatch, a.k.a. Bigfoot. But you can just call me Frank. And when I'm not stomping around the woods throwing rocks at hunters... I like to listen to the Paranormal Punchers podcast. That's right, Paranormal Punchers. They talk about all things paranormal, and they're hilarious. Go find them on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and ParanormalPunchers.com.
1: Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series. And you are listening to Throwdown Thursday on the Grand Guineal Network. Hi, I'm Richie the WizKid from the Best Darn Diddly Review Show and you're listening to the Throwdown Thursday Podcast.
0: And we are back. Um, That was a hell of a discussion. I think... uh, it's definitely something that we are all passionate about, especially you ladies.
2: Girl power!
0: Um, I, uh, I find this to be a very interesting show. Uh, like I said, we could probably go on forever and ever and I ever mean,
2: The show itself, it's very well written and mm-hmm. it's very well acted. So, it's easy to get sucked in. But the you cast add, is great, yeah. You just know, be cautious. Don't watch it in one sitting. <laughs> yeah, don't watch it in one sitting because A, that's like 10 hours and you're going to have to pee a lot. Um, but it's, it's also like, it's just a lot to take in, the subject matter and stuff. Uh, but I think it's important to watch it. Fenway and Park's ruined for me. I know, right? <laughs> um, and it's important to just make yourself aware. Yeah.
0: So... Next week is dun,
2: our
0: one hundredth episode. Woo! Woo! It's so crazy. I know um, we've been doing this for almost two years now. Yeah, and we have a lot of feedback. We have some feedback from some major celebrities. Oh my god! We have. Uh, I was able. I'm. I'm just going to throw this out there as a <laughs> teaser for next for next uh, week's show. I was finally able to get an interview with Ray Park, okay. but no way. So, and strangely enough, I haven't listened to these yet. We have a couple of messages claiming to be me from the future. Now I don't know if I believe all that. There's got to, they're going to have to prove it. But yeah, we've got a lot of feedback from uh, some past guests, some future guests, some fellow podcasters. Mm-hmm. So, uh. Next week's gonna be a lot of fun. So we're we gonna party. To <laughs> we're gonna party like it's episode after episode ninety nine.
1: Yep. Yeah. That was really late. We'll Whatever. The future and all the excitements that yep. will happen.
0: The past, the present, the future, where we're going, where we've been,
1: what we're gonna drink.
0: There's gonna be some some changes to the show. There's gonna be some uh, new media coming out and so drinking. There's uh, always going
1: to be drinking.
0: So we hope you join us next week. And uh, till then, see we ya. will see, see you, you next, next Thursday.
1: Thursday. <gasps>